and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I am so pleased to be joined again today by Scott Schutte. As you may know, Scott is a longtime produce retail veteran who's been so generous to be a recurring guest on this podcast. And over the course of more than 35 years in the industry, Scott has served in leadership roles at Fresh Time, at Sprouts, at Bosch's. He's been recognized as Produce Retailer of the Year, Specialty Food Retailer of the Year, And we're just thrilled to get to continue to learn from Scott and through this podcast, share those learnings with all of you, our listeners as well. So Scott, awesome to have you here as always, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you involving me again in a very touchy and tricky topic we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I was thinking about this, Scott, and I feel like this topic probably has applications for leaders in in all kinds of different industries, because that is managing different teams. So groups that have um, different functions, different responsibilities, in some cases, perhaps different priorities. And um, you, you of course, have have been in the position to to manage such groups um, quite often over the course of your career. So I'm I'm glad we're we're talking about this because, as you said, it's um, not always easy. It is not always easy. The three teams that come to mind when we talk about this this subject for me would be the uh, support team, uh, that team that, uh, you know, creates a lot of the great foundations of um, what transpires and happens out at retail, Um, the procurement team, and obviously the uh, store operations team or the operations leadership team. And I think those are three of the primary teams that I could think about in our industry when it comes to and is involved around anything produce and sometimes anything floral. Absolutely. So let's see, where, where should we start here, Scott? When you, when you step into, you're looking at, you've got these, these different groups, how do you, first of all, get everybody kind of their own goals, but in such a way that they don't conflict with the goals of the other groups, if that makes sense. Yeah, great question. In fact, um, I, I tried hard for this particular podcast uh, to change up my dress code, and it was actually going to be a, a black and white, vertically striped shirt, um, <laughs> kind of like what the referees wear with a, <laughs> a big whistle hanging from my neck. Because sometimes when you're a, a director of produce or a VP of, of produce, or as you put it, really any of the departments within a retail grocery organization, uh, sometimes you feel like that referee and you get put in that position of being um, a referee, so to speak, between, you know, these groups, the the teams that we have that are actively running and operating um, everything for the company for us. So um, with with your question, that is a big question and, and I've got lots of answers for it right now. But from the executive viewpoint, I think first and foremost for me would be carving out time on my calendar to be that uh, people leadership person and to be the person that obviously isn't wearing a referee uniform and a whistle, but is there present, active, and involved within all three groups. Um, Sometimes that means giving all three groups equal time. Sometimes that means um, maybe favoring one of the particular groups because of a level of importance within your organization. Um, Sometimes when you're um, starting out a company, as I was familiar with, 
um, a little bit more emphasis and a little bit more time needs to be spent on the side of the business that supports the store level teams. And so the support team tends to get a little bit more TLC or a little bit more guidance um, because it's a new company and a new direction and a lot of newness that's going on that usually starts with that support team. Support team is um, actively involved in creating everything that drives what the procurement team ultimately ends up buying and bringing in. And the support team actually dictates and drives what's going to happen at a store level. Um, uh, not the execution part of it, but the total game plan part of it and lays that out as perfectly as possible for the store teams and the operation leadership teams to execute flawlessly. So those are some of the big things I can think of um, right off the top of my head. Um, but being involved and being engaged actively with all three of those groups uh, it is a juggling act, but unfortunately, it's part of the job when you're an executive leader and in the role of, uh, you know, whether it's a director or a vice president level, you've got to be actively involved in all those groups. And most of all, to avoid that possible conflict or something minor that might happen, that if it's not caught in time, can very easily escalate into something bigger that unfortunately drives those teams apart instead of brings them together. So it sounds like being present in all those different places is is kind of step one. So you're aware of if if there are challenges or or maybe grumblings or things like that, you uh you catch the the brush fire before it comes becomes a forest fire, so to speak. Yeah, you got to hear all the voices and all the groups. And we can really even add a fourth group to that list also. And that would be the store level team member group. Um, that's really part of the operations team and the operations group, but um, sometimes they can be a group on their own and they have a voice that needs to be heard and you have to add them to the list also. And historically, where have you seen conflict most likely to arise between some of these different groups? Where do their priorities maybe come into conflict every now and then if not actively managed? Yeah, I'm smiling because that's kind of an easy question. And in <laughs> and all of my time, um, the biggest area of, um, of conflict or um, really having two different directions that two teams were going in always seemed to end up with the conflict between procurement and the operations team. And it usually would always pivot or revolve around quality related issues. And a lot of finger pointing as far as, um, you know, the poor quality that ended up out in the store. And unfortunately, um, a lot of times where communication wasn't in real time, it might have had that day or two delayed reaction to it um, uh, as far as communicating a quality issue that uh, really actually magnified the original issue quite a bit more. So, um kind of a rule of thumb for me in the past to, you know, avoid further conflict there was that all communication, whether it was um, in a positive way or sometimes unfortunately in a negative opportunity type way needed to be dealt with in real time. So when a store or uh, a division or a group of stores would have a quality related issue, it would not be a best kept secret at store level but there would be somebody out there at store level 
a produce manager that very constructively would be able to communicate what that issue was in real time as it happened. Um, as that delivery hit the back door of the store and was received and that quality issue was found, um, I find out that really nine times out of 10, that when a quality issue was addressed constructively and in real time, there was a real strong opportunity and a real strong chance for the procurement team to lean back a little bit on the vendor grower shipper community that um, could actually represent or support the quality issues that were just recently found. And from a financial standpoint, a lot of times that was a, a pretty big deal because ultimately the store level team member would be reimbursed or credited for inferior product. And so would the distribution center, um, especially when we had communication with pictures and with great verbiage and conversation over the phone or whatever it might have been um, that gave us a leg to stand on when trying to protect the company and ensure that the best possible quality was out there on the shelves. And, you know, we live in the world of fresh, perishable produce, and it's actually, uh, you know, on the, on the downward spiral of uh, produce death after it's, after it's picked. So it doesn't have an indefinite shelf life and it will expire. And we've got that constant battle of perishability to, to battle against. But we also know that certain items have expectations of certain levels of quality and certain levels of shelf life. And you know, to be able to work that through the company all the way back to the you know, original grower and shipper for a resolution on that particular issue is a lot better than having finger pointing happen with operations team against the procurement team or store level team against the procurement team or, or, or vice versa. It's a much better atmosphere when those teams can work together addressing a small minor conflict like quality, which happens quite a bit um, head on rather than um, you know, days later or weeks later, or in conversation at a PL meeting at the end of the month instead of when it happened, you know, 20 days prior. And so that's a, a pretty good example of where conflicts sometimes start and um, kind of how to take them to the, uh, the next level. And you mentioned early on the word communication. Um, what, what did you find helpful as far as how to establish kind of the, the communication parameters and expectations with you between the teams, like the time frame this needs to happen in. Is it a phone call? Is it a text? Is it an email? I mean, how much structure is helpful to put around that? And what were some of your observations around that over the years? It definitely needs some structure, a, a lot of structure, but the basic foundation of that communication structure would be knowing when and how to involve at least a key team member from each of those teams in certain meetings or in certain events or things that are happening. Um, so that communication level flows freely and not just a lost email that uh, you know, might be in their inbox, um, but for them to be actively involved in maybe something that 100% directly doesn't pertain to them, but ultimately indirectly it's going to. So for them to be in person at a meeting or on a Zoom call in a meeting or wh whatever the method of meeting is, 
it's important to have representation from all three of those key critical teams involved. And it's their chance to not only soak up and absorb the communication that's happening, but it's also their chance to have a voice and, and kind of a form of democracy that happens within an organization. You have to give equal voice and equal opinion to all those groups in order for them not to be lopsided and in order for them to be kind of a cohesive team instead of uh, off in a silo somewhere by themselves on their own team, thinking that uh, they're part of just their own group. They need involvement and they need to be part of those littlest things like the meetings to some of the bigger, um, more fun parts of the business. And that could be, um, think of some great examples here, um, having all teams involved in um, trade show events and farm tours. You know, this is an event that you just take the procurement team to. You know, they don't just go to, you know, the annual trade show or group of trade shows every year. One of my, my favorite things to do was you have to have support team members there. You have to have procurement team members there. And you have to have operations team members there also. And you've got to have a representation from the whole entire organization. And um, talking about a fun way to build teamwork or a team camaraderie, uh, have those groups together at something fun and exciting as a, a big trade show or uh, one of those farm tours. There's also a ton of little things to do throughout the year that get the teams together. And, you know, something as simple as the support team on a regular basis, touring the distribution center or the warehouse and walking with procurement team buyers and looking at product and popping the lids of boxes and checking for quality and looking at size and all the other fun parts of reviewing fresh produce as it comes into the, the distribution center, that should be something that a support team member is involved with also and can be part of. Um, that actually, that invitation spreads out to the operations team and the store level teams also. I thought that it was a huge benefit in my past life to have meetings where I involved the produce managers with the procurement team by bringing them to the warehouse and having them walk through and kind of see a day in the life of what happens down in the trenches of procurement from the receiving part of it to the quality inspection part of it, to uh, slotting and putting away of product and order selecting of product and all the many facets of the distribution center for a store level produce manager to be able to see that and absorb a little of that, it goes a long way. There's quite a bit of understanding at their level that um, that job and that responsibility at procurement is a lot more difficult than they ever imagined once they get down there and they can actually see it firsthand and experience it firsthand, there's quite a bit more understanding of what happens and what goes on. That's also a great time frame for face-to-face -face question and answer. You know, for that store level team member to be talking about some of the pain points or the challenges and opportunities that they have at store level with a procurement team member and for that procurement team member to be able to hear it firsthand and really take it in and try to help understand 
how they can eliminate that challenge or that area of opportunity out in the store and how important it is to that store level team member. So there's a lot of those type of things to do that interact um, all the teams together or maybe just two teams together, but um, they break down walls and they prevent silos from being built and organizations from kind of uh, having three separate groups into having um, really one massive cohesive group that's got the same common goal, um, but maybe just has a different title attached to their name and a different area of responsibility in the business, but um, they're all heading in that same direction and, and they all want success and they all want to be part of a team. And they do that without uh, creating enemies or major conflicts between the team. So a lot easier said than done, but um, those are some of the things that I've noticed in the past that have helped out quite a bit. Gotcha. And what, what are some of the, you mentioned quality is, is a big one. What are some of the other kind of occasions or processes where you almost want to have maybe a, a playbook of, Hey, this is when you go to these folks over here, or, you know, if, if you're reporting to your supervisor that this is going on, make sure to copy so-and-so over here. So they're in the loop what are some of those things that it's just, you got to kind of teach the culture of, hey, if, if there's a problem here, we let these folks in the loop as well, because um, that, that way we won't have any issues down the line, hopefully. Yeah, uh, from the very get-go, I think I probably should have started out with that part of the conversation, but you're absolutely right, that there has to be a, a complete, clear understanding of what your organization's chain of command actually is. Um, you know, some retailers are different from others, and I've been a part of uh, a couple different tar types of, of chain of command that um, ultimately I had to end up getting used to because they were different from maybe where I just came from. Um, but for the most part, um, getting those those different entities of the company to understand what their responsibilities are, understand what their roles are, and ultimately cascade that information down to store level folks or down to people within their group. You know, so you're talking about maybe a support level group, there's uh, multiple positions within that support level group. And you've really got to make sure that from top to bottom, they understand what their role is and they understand what the hierarchy is within their group. They understand what the expectations of the other groups are, you know, and how they're held accountable, um, who leads their group, you know, who would be kind of a, a key proponent for um, wearing the captain's hat for each of those groups. And then really understanding from um, sitting in the back seat and watching the experience of seeing leaders from each of those groups work together, intertwine together, and then most of all, um, utilize and enforce the chain of command within the company. Some of those lower level positions benefit from that tremendously because it's it's almost like they're, they're receiving that information through osmosis of, of just being able to be there and watch and see and observe when it's done correctly, how things flow and how challenges and uh, conflicts are ultimately avoided um, or some that can't be avoided, how they're, how they're addressed and they're handled 
and done in a professional, positive way that allows the organization to move on quickly rather than you know, dwell on something small or create a bigger problem, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned leaders within the specific groups for you know, you, when you're overseeing multiple teams like this, how important is it to have sort of like liaisons within each of the different groups that maybe you keep up to speed or you give them even more regular updates than the whole group gets so that there's always somebody that, you know, folks throughout those teams can go to for answers and you're kind of, you're keeping everybody informed and you're keeping in touch with everybody, but you're also delegating a sufficient amount, perhaps, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think that that's a, a two-way street also that um, not only can they help in the spread of great information or um, of reminders or whatever it might be from, from their point or from their level, but from, a, from an intake level, they're also great resources to have when you're in an executive leadership uh, position and you don't physically have that ability to be in every meeting, every hour of every day that um, you've got some great folks out there that represent you and your wishes and your beliefs and your direction and are great at coming back to you and taking a one hour meeting and breaking it down into maybe the most important five minutes of it or 10 minutes of it and making sure that you're up to speed on what else is going on within some of those other teams or some of those other divisions of the company. It's almost an impossibility to you know, be at two or three places at the same time. But when you have strategically placed a great leader in procurement, a great leader within the support team, and you've got great folks on the operation team, it makes it very easy for an executive leader um, to continue managing all the teams, but without having to be there 100% of the time, every single hour of the day. So you need those creek those key critical leadership positions established, and you need to to ultimately make sure that uh, your beliefs and your directions are something that those folks instill and represent you to the best of their ability when you are not available, you know, to be there. And it sounds like for, for each group to have an understanding of kind of the, the purpose and the value, you know, you might say of the other ones are, Um, Because I'm curious, it it seems like there are, you you mentioned, you know, quality is an area where sometimes some some finger pointing can come in if if things aren't managed properly. Um, What are other other ways in which, you know, the the interests or the priorities of some groups might diverge a little bit? Like, Like maybe at the store level, they're wanting to do a lot of big stuff, a lot of fun stuff, you know, out of the box, creative merchandising that, you know, maybe, maybe some other team is like, mm, that, that could really kind of, you know, that might generate more shrink. And, and we're not sure that you should go down that road. You know, what, what are some other kind of areas where, um, you yeah. know, d- different approaches might, might uh, conflict occasionally. That's one that I can definitely think of right there. Um, just the conflict or the divergence between the support team who thinks that they have just the greatest plan in the world or the greatest new program in the world to roll out. And then you have the ultimate conflict with the the store level team or the operations team that um, every single day of the week, that's their job. That's their profession. They're out at store level. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. And unfortunately, that's a point of confliction sometimes um, because both of those teams have two different 
um, sometimes directions, especially when it comes to merchandising. Um, when you're at a support level, you have a kind of a, a blueprint viewpoint of the store on where you can place product or how you can merchandise or how you can mass merchandise or secondary merchandise. And those are good thoughts and intentions. But a lot of times, you know, when you're in the trenches of the store, you realize that uh, that is not the best location for, you know, a, a merchandising program or a rollout to happen, um, or that it conflicts with another department that might be there that you really didn't necessarily think of at the time, but uh, space is a premium within the stores for sure. And so uh, there are a lot of conflicts between, you know, the best intentions of a support team from a, a merchandising standpoint and the planning standpoint to the reality of, you know, the store operations team really knows and understands um, best on what works and what doesn't work. They also know and understand what other programs from other departments are alive and in existence at that same time period. So maybe there's a, an opportunity to, um, um, allow a different department to take precedence over, you know, the front of the store merchandising that particular week, which in turn might conflict with the, you know, strategy of the support team for their merchandising wishes or desires. So there's got to be a, a give and take between those two groups, because that is a almost normal conflict that happens all the time. Um, but when you tie together a leadership member from support and a great strong leadership person from operations, um, all those become almost non-existent um, because they're thinking together instead of separately. And they've joined forces on, you know, the common goal or the effort is to sell more produce. They both know that. Um, they just want to do it by playing by the rules and um, understanding, you know, some of those objectives that have to be put in place out at store level and they can't just do that one group at a time. They've got to do that together. So that was, um, th that was something that just sparked a big reminder for me on how I intentionally or, or purposefully would put folks together from different teams and assign them to certain projects. And so I did that intentionally to involve, um, the best of the best when it came to idea creating and the process of, uh, you know, creating the program and the rollout part of it and the actual execution of it, that that couldn't be one-sided. That could never be done just by the produce buyer who found a great new item and he wanted to bring it in. And then all of a sudden, you know, the support team has to worry about the merchandise of it, the placement of it, the pricing of it, and all the other responsibilities and then the store level team has to kind of flounder to figure out what part or what role they have in the whole process. Um, instead of being disjointed with those three groups, that uh, especially when it was a big enough initiative, I would often pair up people from different teams together with that project goal in mind and have them work together on each of their different parts of it. So they were all familiar with what their role and their responsibility was, but um, they got to be more familiar with understanding the other side of the business, whether it was the wholesale side of the business or out at retail store level side of the business, or even how difficult it was at support level to create 
the space for it or to do the, the skew optimization or the skew rationalization for a group of items. And everybody started to understand everybody else's role quite a bit more. And I think there was a higher level of respect given to those other roles from outside of their teams just because uh, they were paired up together with folks that they weren't used to maybe working with side by side in the past. But that seemed to be a good process that actually involved all three teams together. And it gave the three teams almost equal responsibility to get that particular project or that goal to the finish line. And it by no means was one-sided or just one team doing it. It was a, it was a group effort. That makes a lot of sense because you you can envision a scenario where when that's not done, if it's, you know, the the buyer goes to the show by, you know, him or herself and they find this great new thing. They're like, sweet, this this should go in all our stores. And, you know, the stores may come back and be like, well, you don't understand. We're we're selling a ton of this and and our demographics aren't going to be the same. Like, you know, we have lower income consumers or we have older consumers who want the exact same thing or this isn't going to work for us, you know, for us in particular, right? But like you said, if you kind of invite people into that conversation, then it's a conversation. So then folks aren't immediately on the defensive, you know, from either side of it, right? Because you could have the buyer be like, hey, I'm seeing the big picture. You know, I I get to, you know, be exposed to more of kind of the industry-wide trends or what's happening in the region as a whole. Or you can see where that conversation could get contentious fast if you're just thrown in everybody, you know, after the fact versus really being in the process together. Without a doubt. And one of the other positives that comes out of that, um, you you team people up together from different parts of the organization, you're setting yourself up for success. And um, every time that I've, I've, I've done that process, um, I've been extremely successful as an end result. And what was more successful is being able to celebrate the end result, which was a win that was not lopsided. And the win didn't go to the support team or the win didn't go to the procurement team for finding the item or the win didn't go to the operations team for you know uh, merchandising. Um, the win went to all three groups. It went to the organization for um, a major accomplishment when it comes to um, the world of, of building sales and unit movement and reduction of food waste and whatever the initiative accomplished, that win is spread unilaterally between all three groups and nobody just is the hero or takes the claim for being the hero. Um, the organization as a, as a totality wins and everybody knows and understands that and um, it's the same feeling you get when, you know, you're, you're playing soccer and you've got, you know, the guy that's uh, the goalie in the back and you've got, you know, your fastest forward up front that she's the one that scores the goal all the time because she's, you know, the fastest runner or always running and moving on the team. Um, but when the game's over with and the score is, you know, three to two and your team won, everybody can take advantage of, of basking in the glory of the win. All parts of the team from the goalie all the way in the back to that power forward in the front, they're all part of it. They've all contributed to it. And when you, you mesh the three teams together and intertwine their expectations and intertwine their responsibilities in accomplishing some of these directives, 
um, that's when you got the overall company win that's not lopsided. And um, I think everybody realizes that, that it's a group celebration rather than a silo celebration, which unfortunately can happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds to Scott, like you mentioned p- putting folks on projects together, you know, from, from the different groups, different teams, it sounds like being proactive and establishing those connections, you know, across the different groups is, is really huge. Cause the last thing you want, and probably the worst thing for the dynamic is if, you know, the buyers are only hearing from the store level folks when there's a problem, right. Or, or vice versa. That's, that's what you want to avoid at all costs, I imagine. Absolutely. And as a leader, you've got to, uh, you've got to preach that uh, that's not healthy for the company to be, um, to be lopsided that way and to only hear the the problems or the challenges and the areas of opportunity that occur every single day out there. You've got uh, to be that person as a leader that um, interjects and always is um, one that represents all the positive great things that have just happened within the company or are on the forefront of what's going to be happening within the company. You've got to be a little bit of that cheerleader um, but you also have to make all the teams understand, and that includes, you know, folk, folks at store level, which, you know, unfortunately, sometimes their communication is only one-sided, and it, it is only about, you know, being misdelivered 10 cases of product that they didn't order, or wh- whatever the challenge might be, um, it tends to be um, a little bit on the negative side on a regular basis. So teaching and coaching and training them to be the ones that pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, the local grown apple that we just got in yesterday, that Honeycrisp, that label that you sent us, that's probably one of the best looking apples I've ever seen. You know, that's a fabulous product. Uh, It's flying off the shelf right now. Just giving you a quick little heads up, man. Great job on, you know, picking out that particular item. And the little things like that from a store level operations um, side of viewpoint that are positive to, um, some of the great things that happen between procurement and the support team, you know, maybe it's an attaboy for the outstanding merchandising work that the support team did on drafting up a game plan for local grown this season and how much more tonnage of local grown they actually sold because merchandising strategy was stronger or a little bit bolder than it was in years past. But there's a lot of positive vibes that need to be passed through that communication channel rather than just dwelling and focusing on the firefighting type items or the problems or the, those challenges that come up every single day, learning how to address them and move away from them and out of that problem zone quickly is important. But to be able to think about, talk about, and look at all the positive things that happen too is, is something that needs to, to be part of that daily culture and that daily um, environment that you put all the team members within. And um, slowly but surely, it rubs off on a lot of people. And so the less negativity starts to happen, uh, the more celebrations occur, and the more everybody is anxious to create what's gonna be the next reason for celebration or the next success story that could possibly happen. So that's that's great for the culture overall. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it sounds like, Scott, this is the the people management part of the job, and, and especially across many different groups, is something that really takes a pretty significant investment of time. And like you said, to be proactive with it versus only the, 
you know, putting out the fires, how would you carve out time for that in, in your schedule to kind of be intentional about making that a part of what you do? Um, when there's certainly a long list of other things that, that need to be attended to also. Yeah, there's going to be a, a number of important things that happen throughout the day and through throughout the week that um, will occupy your time because they're very high level or top level um, executive initiatives or important parts of the business that you 100% need to be involved in. Finding time and dividing time um, is challenging, but I think you have to realize that um, it's not the length of time that you're able to, you know, uh, divide and give back to these other teams and these other groups. I think it's more of the quality of time that you're able to give back and um, to be able to be actively engaged and involved with those groups when you are with those groups goes an awful long way. Um, Your representative that represents you when you're not there you know, the leader of the procurement team or the leader of the support team or the leader of the operations team um, also is a big reflection of you when you're not there and um, can actually serve as a clone to be able to soak up and absorb some valuable information for you. And like I said, one of my biggest um, uh, lessons that I did learn was the ability to be there everywhere, every time, for every meeting, for every group, wasn't realistic. And uh, to reprioritize my day and my week and to know which was most important for me to be part of. Um, and to my earlier point, if it was an hour meeting, for me to know that it wasn't possible or realistic for me to be there for that hour, but for me to be there for the first five or 10 minutes and to make sure that I expressed my direction and my goals for whatever that meeting was about and my involvement for that meeting, um, to be able to to get that um, addressed in the forefront of the meeting and to make sure that there was a a total understanding of what was going on. And then not, not to leave them hanging without leadership or guidance, but to pass the torch on during that meeting to the key people on the support team or the key person that was on the procurement team or whoever was involved to make sure that the rest of the group that was part of the meeting or part of the call or whatever it was, knows and understands that they're in good hands because of who else is in charge of the particular, the meeting or the project or the the subject or the topic at hand. And how, how did you go about the process of selecting kind of who those representatives of you for on each team, you know, when you weren't there, how did you go about selecting those folks? Was it always a like, well, this is the senior person on the team, or this is a specific title, or or how did you pick kind of those people who like, hey, you're you're the eyes and ears and mouth of of the VP, the director when when he's not here? Yeah. And for the most part, I think that's just the standard default process right there of who you would uh, hand the baton off to first. Um, I always like throwing a curveball to that and for training and development and for anybody to evolve in their position, that was an opportunity for me to maybe throw that curveball over the head of the normal person that was in charge and into the lap of somebody that was up and coming and that needed a little bit of a challenge or maybe had better prerequisites or better qualifications for um, maybe 
that particular subject that we were talking about or that particular mission that we were on that uh, I wasn't going to supersede the original leader, but I would involve somebody else to be kind of a co-leader in that process and involve them more directly than maybe they had been in the past. So if they were used to, from a position standpoint, being a little of the backseat driver and following directions and pitching in where they needed to pitch in, um, sometimes this would give them an opportunity to shine and they would be able to come forward and take advantage of their skills and hopefully people skills also, because now I'm relying on them to intertwine with not only their group as being kind of a co-leader, but also to have the understanding and the ability to work with other leaders in other parts of the business, you know, whether it was one of the people from the procurement team or leadership from the operations team or whoever it might have been, um, that's not somebody that they're used to being involved with on a daily basis. And so just to change it up a little bit um, and then to maximize their potential, um, I would kind of intertwine who was in charge or who was actively taking a lead role in some of those uh, initiatives or some of the new programs or rollouts or whatever it might have been um, for the sake of changing it up, but for the sake of maximizing talent within the organization and keeping everybody involved. Again, when you keep more than one person involved, it's more of a team and there's more of a team effort. You get to learn and you get to know what the abilities are of some folks, um, especially their great traits and some of their, their, their strongest abilities that they have and to take those and kind of uh, over glorify them or um, max them out to their full potential uh, does wonders for whatever that mission that you might be on actually is. That's a great point, Scott. And I love the, it just, it sounds like that can serve so many different functions, right? Because as we've talked about as, as a VP or director of produce, you, you have to delegate, like it's, it's not an option. And then those people that are your go-to people, you want to teach them that they have to delegate too. They can't Absolutely. do everything that's under their purview without, yep. you know, in building that, that next level of leadership as well. They are, after all, in the same boat that you're in sometimes where they just have too much to attend to and they need to rely on, on people that are on their team also. And if they don't, they will soon realize that uh, their ability to accomplish everything that they would like to accomplish just doesn't happen, that they need that safety and numbers factor. They need to realize that um, there are other tasks and other job duties that are more important sometimes that they need to rely on other team members to help them out. They also need to rely on um, other team members for just that simple purpose of, of work-life balance. There's a lot of vacations that happen out there. Um, you know, the last few years, there's been a lot of uh, concern with sickness and, and illness where, you know, folks are not capable of showing up for work. And um, the only time anybody else can come in and pinch hit for them will be if they've had experience in the chair and they've been given an opportunity to be part of a co-leader or stepping up within that team to make sure that the, they're helping the team run and function on a regular basis or in vacation mode or special projects mode or you know what, whatever the mode is that uh, it's not gonna be foreign to them when they're called up to the plate, they'll be ready to go. Gotcha. 
and I was thinking back, Scott, to uh, your your mention at the beginning of the the referee uniform that <laughs> you felt like came to mind as as sometimes what you feel like between these groups, not ideally, but but sometimes. And I wondered, and this maybe maybe this comes back to kind of the the structure of you know when you reach out to whom and all all those sorts of things. What did you find it helpful to establish in terms of parameters for, you know, when there's a conflict um, between one group or another or, or folks from one group or another, how that gets resolved, kind of what that process looks like? Because, again, you probably can't be involved in in all of them, right? Like that would take all your time, possibly. You know, how, how did you set up structures around like when there's conflict, this is how we resolve it. This is who has the final say. Yeah, and I think. um through everybody's experience, when there is conflict, your immediate reaction to conflict is, for the most part, you want to resolve it. You want it to be fixed. You want it to go away. Um, I used to take that a step farther, other than resolving it and fixing it and um, making things either back to normal or better than they were before. The step farther that I would take is the learning lesson that just happened on that occurrence. And when you have a few of those under your belt, or when they happen to you and you're a member of the procurement team, you begin to you begin to really understand what transpired, what made them happen, what fixed them, what made them go away, and then ultimately how to just avoid that whole scenario altogether, you know, and not have it happen or occur again in the future. And you do that by learning from your lessons. And as a leader of any of those groups, or as a leader of the entire team, as a, a director of produce or a VP of produce, you got to be really good at, in a very constructive way, um, at the end of one of those conflicts, making sure that all teams understand and have learned from what has just happened or occurred. And it's not uh, stirring things up all over again and reviewing something negative that just had happened or living in the past, but it's making sure that when you walk away and things are fixed and repaired and working 100% to your benefit, that um, ultimately it's not something that's forgotten. It's a lesson that's learned. And you can archive that in your back pocket. Hopefully all the team members that work for you are capable of doing the same thing because they can prevent that from happening over and over and over again, uh, just by the lessons that they learned and the lessons that you learn together as a team that makes sense and how to make stuff like that or uh, go away faster or avoid it from happening altogether is the name of the game. So um, I'm not sure that I really directly answered your question <laughs> without dancing around it a little bit, but those are some of the secrets that I ended up finding out that when a conflict's over, it's not really over until, you know, everybody has understood the valuable lesson mm -hmm. to be learned. And I think that uh, that just helps the future moving forward when you can take it to that next level and get that common understanding happening and occurring with your group. Absolutely. Well, Scott, anything we have missed on this or anything else you wanted to add before we uh, let you get back to, to the rest of your day? No, this was a, uh, a great topic of discussion. Um, I'm almost positive that every retail organization out there across America has um, 
different groups within their organization that at some points in time probably either don't get along the best or that unfortunately come across a conflict. Um, ultimately, it's it's how, well, for obvious reasons, you deal with that conflict and, and you learn from it, as we just spoke about. Um, but how you realize that through different processes, different, uh, maybe it's morale building exercises that we didn't talk about, um, something as simple as going to a baseball game together or um, uh, a, the bowling championship for the three teams or whatever it might be. The more team building that you can do and the more that you can involve multiple groups together, even if it's multiple parts or multiple people from individual groups, the better off that you're going to be. Yeah, you got to get uh, cohesiveness between the different teams. You've got to get everybody involved in each, each other's business. And ultimately, you have to have that understanding that each and every one of the teams from the four teams we talked about, store level team members, operations team members, procurement team members, support team members, and really the fifth team we didn't talk about, executive team members, that uh, they're all equally on the same page. And they all have that same common goal and that same direction, which is a, a really good direction or reflecting of um, what's on the mind or what's on the uh, latest program or progress report from the top of the top, from the executive leader of the company, cascading all the way down to those team members in the stores. And once everybody understands what that mission is from top to bottom, um, I think there'll be a little bit more success at working together and ironing out some minor challenges and celebrating some of those major wins that they're all able to accomplish together when they hold hands and join together as one team rather than those silos. Excellent. Well, Scott, we'll wrap it up there for today. Thank you so much as always for all your expertise on this. And we'll thank our listeners as well and see everybody back next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.